It's 5 p.m. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, on Tuesday, the Governor's Workforce Development Summit kicked off on the island of St. Croix. At Tuesday's Committee on Homeland Security, Justice and Public Safety, lawmakers approved draft legislation on the issue of first responders potentially invading the privacy of accident or crime victims. At last week's Committee on Culture, Youth, Aging, Sports and Parks hearing, the Virgin Islands Emancipation Committee updated lawmakers on the extension of the 175th commemoration celebration. We speak with Senator Marvin Blighting to get his reaction on the passing of the fiscal year 2024 budget bills. These are some of your headlines for today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. On Tuesday, the 2023 Governor's Workforce Development Summit began on St. Croix. The event was attended by employees, job seekers, and government agencies. Workforce Development Board Chair Michael Cardi said the aim of the summit is to bring all the players to the table. One of the benefits of this summit and one of the goals of this summit is actually to bring all the players to the table. Employers, job seekers, and government agencies all in one place to help share, collaborate, and redefine what we say is success. Because take a moment with me and realize and ask yourself, how did you get here? And I don't mean here in these seats this morning. If you don't know how you do that, then that's a different conversation. <laughs> but how did you get here in this position that you are in right now? Whether it's some place that you want to be, some place that you don't want to be, what was that journey? What's your story? Do you know that well enough? Have you reflected on the steps that you took? Have you asked yourself what I should have done different? And do you know it well enough that if you was to talk to yourself in the past, you would say, you know what? Do this different, do this better, collaborate with these folks. Because if you don't know that and you can't detail those steps, that's part of one of our problems. And it leads to another problem, which is a crisis of what we have in the Virgin Islands and elsewhere, is what's the definition of success? How do we define that? And most importantly, what path do we take to get there? The governor, alongside Lieutenant Governor Tregenza Roach and Labor Commissioner Gary Malloy, participated in the opening session. Commissioner Malloy relayed in his opening remarks that unemployment was the lowest it has been in the territory. Governor Brian, the, the unemployment rate in the territory is 3.3%. The lowest it's ever been. In the St. Croix district, it is 3.7%, the lowest it's ever been. But it's telling us that, that um, we have everybody that wants to work can get a job, right? So it, the issues of the Department of Labor, we're going to make sure that we're here to support all the training needs. We're going to be able to support uh, with our outreach. We're, we're going to be consistent in making sure that the strategy of workforce being an economic development engine or tool to be able to help the Virgin Islands stay on track. In his opening remarks, the governor relayed his excitement for economic growth and the future of the Virgin Islands in the changing landscape. The reason they call it a vision 
is because only you can see it, right? And people don't understand that. It's like when you have a vision, like I can already see where we need to be. I can already see it. It's so, it, I can't understand why anybody else can't see it because it's so clear to me. But the reason why they call it a vision is because you got to get people to see it. And we know, you know, we have a vision for the Virgin Islands about what we want to do. We want to have a stronger infrastructure, a stronger economy, and a stronger families. And people say, well, why do you do this? Well, 37% or so of the Virgin Islands lives below the poverty line. Why should it be like that? We want to make sure that every individual has an opportunity to participate. The first thing that Tregenza and I want to make sure is that we have a level playing field, right? How do we do that? We're building things into people's lives that they could just be a, a little bit better. They improve the quality of life every day for a Virgin Islander and our guests a little bit better. So we've invested into schools. By the end of this year, they'll have $850 million in school projects executed. Speaking to the doubters, Governor Bryan made these remarks. And then you have the oppositionists. You know the oppositionists. Let me gotta look around the room before I talk about people. You know that guy still wearing platform shoes and bell-bottom pants with a shock like he in the 60s? <laughs> Refuse to change. Which one are you? Are you looking at the wheel of change? You know, the other day we had a, 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 I made a comment. I got really angry. You don't see me when I get angry and I tell a woman. I even mis mispronounce the king's language. And I say, you unintouched. <laughs> and I realize people are unintouched. Because either they're in the opposition or the real majority, right? And I'm hoping it's just the op on opposition because you're listening to uh, the unemployment rate is 3.3%. Never in the history of the Virgin Islands has it been 3.3%. So the problem has to be the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror. And it, 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 it baffles me how people could complain for 30 years that things ain't going nowhere and still be in the same spot and people listen to them. That would be like listening to a broke guy about how to invest in the stock market. They discount all of the experts and all of the people that have been through that and they say, oh, you know, it ain't for you. People want to have an excuse to stay the same. They would prefer a familiar hell than an unknown heaven. Every single day, don't be one of them. Don't get fooled, don't get caught up in it. Because an excuse is a comfortable and warm place to be. During Tuesday's meeting of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security, Justice, and Public Safety, lawmakers approved draft legislation on the issue of first responders potentially invading the privacy of accident or crime victims. Sponsored by Senator Marvin Blyden, Bill number 35-0127 would amend Title 14 of the Virgin Islands Code, Chapter 89, to punish first responders who publish photos of victims at accidents and crime scenes in the territory. Testifiers included Police Commissioner Ray Martinez and Attorney General Ariel Smith. Commissioner Martinez cautiously supported the measure and noted that it is already a violation of VIPD policy, to obtain and disclose crime and accident scene imagery or victim information without a legitimate reason. This bill appears light-handed, Senators. If the intent is to serve as a deterrent 
for illegally sharing sensitive crime or victim information, then the penalty should not solely be a misdemeanor punishable by a fine. Based upon the egregiousness of the act, the ability to charge the action as a felony should be available. Attorney General Smith was supportive of the proposed legislation and provided a list of recommended changes, which she said would strengthen and clarify the bill. The following changes would strengthen and clarify proposed bill number 35-0127. First, I recommend broadening the definition of first responder to include or any other employee of the government of the Virgin Islands on a crime scene acting as part of a criminal investigation or emergency response. Second, because the proposed bill criminalizes the unlawful dissemination of personal crime scene images, it would be appropriate to provide guidance to the relevant agencies on how to best promulgate internal professional standards, training, and prominent posting of the relevant law. Lawmakers did express some concerns with the bill to include ensuring that culprits are correctly identified, calibrating the punishment to fit the seriousness of the offense, and providing a deterrent to the people who may not be a government worker or first responder. Commissioner Martinez defended his officers, arguing that most of the photographs that are out there are not taken by first responders, but by what he calls the social media mafia. He expressed wanting to see harsher penalties, a point that Senator Javon James agreed with. If I'm not mistaken, if you're parked in a disabled parking space, I think the fine is $1,000. If you litter on the highway, the fine is $1,000. But here we're saying a life, a life. You cannot put a price on anyone's life. Of course, you could put a price on a coffin, a wreath, a letter, one of those cards from Plaza or wherever the case may be. Trump change. The fine need to be stiff. We need to send a strong message. And it's not me attacking those individuals. Although I'm saying those individuals must do their job and keep it confidential because you never know when it will be your family, when it will be your loved one, when it will be your friends. A fine not exceeding $1,000 is Trump change. Speaking on his reasoning to push the bill, Senator Blyden told us. In our community, which is so small, many times people that get um, in accident or got killed or what have you, and you see it on Facebook and you don't have no, you, the parent you don't even know, your sister, your brother, you don't have a clue, and you, you find out that way, it's real, real sad. At the conclusion, committee members voted favorably on the measure, sending it for consideration to the Committee on Rules and Judiciary. After coming off the Senate floor, we spoke with Senator Marvin Blyding to discuss the passing of the fiscal year 2024 budget bills, where he was pleased to have secured funding for nonprofit organizations that address, as he says, critically important issues, including homelessness, behavioral health, assisting victims of violent crime and their families, and youth sports. We spoke with Senator Blyden to share some details on his office's success. I appropriated, along with the help of my colleagues, of course, $185,000, which will allow the continuum of care to properly operate the coordinated entry system. The entry system is critical if a system wears 
it basically garners and and basically records all and anything in terms of data in order, right, for them to up, to obtain millions of, of, of millions of additional federal funds in terms of reducing homelessness, and also to, to have someone to run the system. So I gave the home they needed. They said one eighty three. I got a one eighty five. So that will go a far, far, far way before um, the island in terms of um, gathering the data and, and basically applying for grants from the federal government. But we have not been able to do that because we don't have the um, system in place. I also secured $50,000 for Bethlehem House. They had a, um, a mobile shower and bath facility that, uh, that they acquired, Bethlehem House, but <laughs> they never got a... Um, truck to move it around because the truck they have is really too small they don't have the horsepower to even move the, the mobile mobile facility around because they tried and they actually like went flat to the ground so they came to me and told me they needed um a four by four truck so i told them get me a um a quote from from um toyota and they did which is forty five thousand. so i secured fifty thousand for them not only for the truck but to get a hinge the hitch to attach it to the um to the, the mobile um, shower and bath. So I'm happy that I was able to assist them with that. Senator Blyden also worked to secure $100,000 for the nonprofit organization Hearts in Service, a transitional housing service on the island of St. Thomas to aid those moving out of homelessness, and $15,000 to fund refurbishment of computers and computer literacy training for economically challenged youths. As we continued the interview, Senator Blyden shared that he was able to, in a separate measure, secure funding for a cause he says is near and dear to his heart. We also procured a quarter of a million dollars for Little League, for Little League Baseball to further develop the young third in terms of softball players and baseball players in order for them to um, attend, attend most of the regional tournaments and clinics in this region, the Caribbean region also on the, on the U.S. mainland. But the main cost of that was, though, honestly, they're going to um, host the Latin American and Caribbean Regional Conference that's going to be held here, I believe they told me, in February at French Memories. And that's a big, big deal. Why? Because it, it has to do with sports tourism. And also what it does is actually um, have an opportunity to host one of those major, major regional tournaments right here in the territory when they come and they do the measurement and they do what they need to do, it gives us an opportunity to host one of those, those um, regional tournaments. As we continue to update the WTJX news feed, Governor Albert Bryan Jr. extended the term of the territory's 175th Emancipation Commemoration Committee to July 31st, 2024, in order to facilitate ongoing projects and programs. During a Senate committee hearing on culture, youth, aging, sports, and parks, Chair of the Emancipation Commemoration Committee, Carol Burke, and Senator Angel Bolquez discussed making the committee a permanent fixture to ensure the preservation of history and culture. Concerns, however, were raised about the financial implications of the extension, with Senator Alma Francis Heiliger requesting a breakdown of the funding. This is where I'm getting confused. Because you said you've already expended um, some of the million dollars and you don't think it's going to go over. But if you add up all of these projects and what was spent, the $1,642,000 plus what you've expended, 
came up to a total of 2.3 million. So I'm trying to figure out if this one 642, that 650,000 is deducted out of that because based on what you're showing, you've already gone over the million dollars. No, so are you, did you guys ever get a, a treasurer so you could have your own internal accounting as opposed to telling me what was shared with you? Um, Senator, Senator Francis, we don't have a treasurer and we don't need a treasurer, as I stated before. We, we operate under the office of the governor and we, every of our, all of our transactions are handled through the office of the governor. Are, are you aware of the total that you have spent so far? $649,081.32. That is, that is um, not what it says. It says your paid invoices to date was 552000 but all your projected expenses is 649000 So you haven't fully expended that as well, based on what the document is in front of me. Chairperson Carol Burke pushed back at Senator Francis's call for the committee to have their own treasurer. With all due respect, you did have someone from government house earlier. Joycelyn Durant was before you joined the budget process, and she explained how she manages the accounting of the Emancipation Committees. And I can explain to you. I can explain to you Ma very well. Just like how this, this legislature don't need a treasurer... We don't need a treasurer. The discussion touched on potential overlaps with other cultural entities and the need for better synergy among government departments and agencies. Burke mentioned that the committee expected support from various government departments, but they faced challenges when some departments did not provide expected resources. We'll keep you updated to any changes. St. Thomas native and WNBA Rookie of the Year Aaliyah Boston recently shared that she had signed with NBC Sports as a studio analyst for the network's Big Ten Conference women's basketball broadcast on its Peacock streaming service. Network officials announced Monday during the conference's Basketball Media Days in Minneapolis, Minnesota, its game and studio commentators for its Big Ten broadcast to include Miss Boston. Boston is coming off of a historic opening season in the WNBA as she is the first rookie in league history to lead all players with a .578 shooting percentage. She was the fifth rookie in the league's 27-year history to unanimously be voted Rookie of the Year. Coverage will entail more than 50 men's and women's basketball games during the 2023-2024 season. Boston earned a bachelor's degree in mass communications during her time at South Carolina and will be paired with hosts Carolyn Mano and fellow analyst Megan McKeown, a former player at Northwestern. The games are set to begin January 2nd. The Virgin Islands Historic Preservation Commission's St. Thomas St. John Historic Preservation Committee will be holding a special meeting to discuss the full implementation of the Cruise Bay Historic District rules and regulations for private, lease, and governmental properties. The meeting will take place on Thursday, October 12th, from 9.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Legislature's Cleon Creeky Legislative Conference Room in Cruise Bay, St. John. The Cruise Bay Historic District was established in 2017, but the full implementation of its rules and regulations has not been mandated to the full extent of the law. 
Block one of the meeting from 9.30 to 12.30 will have discussion with directors, programs, and property managers for the government of the Virgin Islands who have jurisdictional and agency properties in the Cruise Bay Historic District. Block two of the meeting from 1.30 to 3 p.m. will have discussion with private property owners, leaseholders, and business owners with properties and businesses in the Historic District. For questions regarding the meetings, contact the Virgin Islands Historic Preservation Commission's chair, Mr. Kurt Marsh Jr. at email kurtg.marshjr at gmail.com or the coordinator, Patton Mulford, at 340-776-8604 for registration. The agenda is subject to change. The Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority Director of Communications, Chanel Peterson, is updating the St. Croix community of an upcoming service interruption. Please be advised on the island of St. Croix, there's a scheduled electrical service interruption on Saturday, October 14, 2023, affecting customers on feeder 8 Bravo. That's 8B from 8 o'clock a.m. to 5 o'clock p.m. The purpose of this outage is to de-energize Peter 8B to allow for tie-in of additional customers at the container port. As we move down the WTJX newsfeed, we spoke with Yvonne Webster-Price, chairperson of the St. Croix Relay for Life Committee, to tell us about this year's walk. This year event is on the 21st and 22nd of this month, which is Saturday and Sunday. We start 4 o'clock in the afternoon and we go straight on till midday the next day. It starts with a short ceremony at 4 and then we have different activities throughout the evening, throughout the night and into the next day. It is at um, St. Croix Educational Complex at the track in the back. Right now we have 44 teams registered. Uh, that's quite a lot. We are looking forward to meeting our goal, which is to make $250,000. We are getting there, but we still have a little ways to go. So we are still accepting donations. Anyone can call me. As you said before, my name is Yvonne Webster-Price, and my phone number is 340-642-1500. And I'm the chairperson of this event. I would like for as many people as possible to come out to the relay. Like I said before, it starts on, on Saturday afternoon, the 21st of October at 4 o'clock. Entry onto, into the grounds, there's no fee, but you must purchase a T-shirt. We will be right at the entrance selling T-shirts for this year. They are $15 each. So anyone who comes in, they must purchase a T-shirt to get on the grounds. Last year, we, we pledged, we tried to make $150,000. And um, this money that we make, it stays in the Virgin Islands, not on St. Thomas, but for the entire U.S. Virgin Islands. And last year, we made $258,000. The funds are used to help people with cancer, whether they need to travel away, whether they need medication, accommodation, or anything like that. They just need to apply to American Cancer Society, and they will get help. As we make our way down the WTJX newsfeed, it's time now for the regional report. In a story that we have been following, after a UN Security Council approved a Kenyan-led mission to aid in Haitian security, the BBC reports that a Kenyan high court has blocked the government's plans to deploy police officers to Haiti or any other country pending the hearing of a petition. The judge cited issues raised in the application as being of national importance and public interest. 
one of the petitioner's former presidential candidate, Ikuru Akot, said the proposed deployment was unconstitutional. It is being argued that there are questions over whether regular police can actually be deployed on international assignments. Mr. Akut added the country could not afford to spare a thousand officers before addressing insecurity in their own country. Last week, ethnic clashes in western Kenya left seven people dead, and recently the coastal region of Lamu has seen attacks from the Somalia-based Al-Shabaab militant group. The area is now under curfew. Speaking on Sunday, the interior minister stressed that the deployment would not compromise the safety and security of the country. The court will issue further directions at the end of October. We're turning now to the territory's weather forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars, and this is your short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. At St. Croix, scattered showers are expected this evening under mostly cloudy skies. Lows will fall back into the upper 70s and east wind at 10 to 15. At St. Thomas and St. John, it's cloudy with scattered showers as well, lows near 80. And during the day tomorrow, we'll find a mostly sunny sky across St. Croix with highs in the upper 80s to near 90. Chance for a late day shower. At St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find a few more showers in the afternoon under partly sunny skies. Highs in the upper 80s to near 90. That's your latest forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX news feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you missed a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.